Hey there, listeners. This is Jenny Rose Spouto. Before we get to today's episode, which I know you're going to love, I want to take a moment to tell you about a special offer we want to give you. It's called the Deluxe Prayer Bundle. With it, you're going to get a Charisma subscription, that's our Charisma print magazine, plus four Life in the Spirit devotionals, and two books by John Eckhart. The first one is called Prayers That Break Curses, and the second is Prayers That Rout Demons. Both of these books are excellent add-ons with the series that we're talking about right now with Witchcraft and Deliverance, and all you have to do to get all of these resources for only $36 is go to charismamag.com journal. Or if you would prefer to call us, that is totally okay. Just call 1-800-749-6500 and mention that you are calling about the Charisma News Podcast Deluxe Prayer Bundle. Again, you can visit charismamag.com slash journal or call 1-800-749-6500. You need to have a distinctly Christian view, though, of justice. And the kingdom of God gives us that framework where we see that people are made in the image of God. So, for example, that when we, when we look at people, we see them first as image bearers of God. In other words, we see their dignity before we see their needs. You're listening to Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson, and Dr. Jeremy Treat is my guest today. He's the author of Seek First, How the Kingdom of God Changes Everything. It's published by Zondervan, and uh, it's a new release, new to store shelves and websites, too. Dr. Treat is also pastor for preaching and vision at a young congregation called Reality L.A., and an adjunct professor of theology at Biola University in Southern California. And since he told me I could, I think we're going to go relaxed today. His name is Jeremy. So, Jeremy, welcome to Charisma Connection. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you. Well, I should tell our listeners that you are in a nice outdoor setting in Los Angeles right now. So if they hear some birds chirping in the background, uh, we'll just be relaxed today. Great. It's all a part of the ambiance. That's right. Enjoying God's nature. Well, I think our listeners will find you an interesting guest as you have one foot in the academic world and the other in a youthful church in the heart of L.A. How do you bridge that gap? Yeah, for me, a lot of my story has been uh, bridging that gap and being in the church, but oftentimes not really uh, hearing much depth coming from the pulpit um, or hearing a lot of even the importance of theology and what we believe in general. And so the Lord opened some doors for me just to be able to get training in those areas. And so I see part of my calling as being someone who tries to understand uh, deep theology and the importance of it, but then bring it into the church and bring it to the streets and recognizing that what we believe shapes the way that we live and that everyone is, is living with core beliefs and ideas that shape their identity and the way that they engage with other people. And that as believers, that the Lord has called us to watch our life and our doctrine. And so that's been a big part of my story as has been Uh, taking high-level theology, but showing how it's practical in daily life in the church. 
Well, very good. I see you also have a book called The Crucified King, which is a systematic theology, but it seems that Christ the King and his kingdom have truly captured your attention, have they not? Yeah, I mean, and this was something that was that was new for me. I mean, I grew up in the church, and we never talked about the kingdom of God. And I remember one day sitting and listening to a preacher, and he asked the question, what's the number one thing that Jesus talked about throughout his life? And, you know, I just figured it was something that we talked about all the time, like heaven or the cross or the love of God. And then when the preacher said the number one thing that Jesus talked about was the kingdom of God, I mean, it just completely shocked me that uh, I was confused that if that was the thing that Jesus talked about the most, then why did we never talk about the kingdom of God? Why didn't this shape the way I saw God and myself and what it means to be a Christian? And so that really set me on a journey to read the scriptures, to understand what is the kingdom of God? How does that shape my life? What does it mean for us? as a church, and the more I've, I've studied and prayed and researched, the more I just see the importance of this theme in Scripture and in our lives today. Well, you're so right. Kingdom theology is not always emphasized in the church. So what does the kingdom actually mean for us as New Testament believers? Yeah, well, the way I define the kingdom in the book is that the kingdom is God's reign through God's people over God's place. And so it's this idea, first and foremost, of God and that He is King, but then He reigns through His reconciled people, and the vision is in Scripture is for His reign to go to the end of the earth. So while His reign begins in the human heart, it goes uh, to the nations. And the way that that plays out practically, I think, in our lives, is that we cannot reduce Jesus to just being our spiritual teacher. Uh, We cannot uh, put him in the religious compartment and say, he's Lord of my spiritual life, but then my work and my friendships and my emotions and my identity and any of these type of things don't actually, uh, he, he doesn't get to be Lord over those things. So Christ's reign is a comprehensive reign over all of life. And that drastically changes uh, what it means for us to be followers of Jesus. Yes, and the subtitle of your Seek First book is How the Kingdom of God Changes Everything. Can we really expect something that wide-ranging and wonderful from the Kingdom of God? Yeah, I think, I think that's the way that Jesus talks about it, that it is. It's, 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 the Kingdom of God is not just another religious idea that we've got to kind of stack on with the rest. It frames everything. And when Jesus, you know, the first words that come out of the mouth of Jesus in his public ministry are, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. And so he even uses that as story language. It's, it's plot and fulfillment. And, and so the kingdom is this, this story, this master narrative that gives meaning to all of life. Uh, and I, I found that being really helpful for me because in the church we learn about a lot of different things. We have a lot of different experiences. But we oftentimes don't really know how to connect the dots between all of those things. And so Jesus says that it's this story of God as King renewing His creation that gives us the framework that brings clarity and coherence to all of, the, all of, all of life as a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. 
Now, you talk about the power of narrative in the book, and that's something we're really focusing on here at Charisma Media as uh, storytellers. So could you tell me a story about the kingdom? Yeah, well, you know, Jesus tells stories about the kingdom all the time. If you think about the parables, that's really what they are. They're these stories. So he says, uh, think about this leaven in, in the bread, right, in the, in the dough, and that it's, it's spreading and it's doing this work, but you can't really see it all the time, right? And so the kingdom is growing in incredible ways throughout the world, and yet it's often not recognized. Uh, in, in the world because it, the kingdom advances often through suffering and service, very things that the world doesn't look at and see as as power or as success or anything like that that we typically look to. Uh, so Jesus tells stories of the kingdom all the time. I One of my favorite stories to tell of this that I tell in the book is when I had the chance to go to Nairobi, Kenya, and we're walking through um, this slum, which for them, this is like a million people. It's not just a rough alley. And we're walking through this slum and seeing just poverty like I'd never seen in my life. And we start to hear this this rumbling noise in the distance and couldn't really tell what it was. And uh, as we get closer, I can tell that it's voices, but I can't, I still can't tell what's going on. And we walk up to this shack and I realize that we're walking up to this church surface in the middle of this slum, and we walk inside, and uh, there's, I, I can't remember, maybe 75 people in there, in, a, in about the size of my living room and dining room together, and they're just worshiping Christ, and, and just going for it, just completely pouring themselves out to the Lord, and I remember seeing that, and then in the midst of this brokenness, seeing heaven is breaking in right here, and these people realize that even though they have nothing in life, that they've been given the, immeasur- the immeasurable riches of God's grace in Christ. And so that's, that, that to me was a beautiful picture of the kingdom, because it shows how it's God's reign breaking in into the worst of situations. Um, it's it's, it's God, God's grace and work doing restoration and renewal right in the midst of our pain and brokenness. Mm, That is beautiful. Now, let's contrast that to America. I mean, we have some beautiful things happening here, too, but you note that sometimes Christians, even Christians, live by narratives that are not biblical, and you give an example of that with the American dream. How does that narrative affect Christians in America? Yeah, I mean, I I think that there is a a narrative that most people in a culture live by, and it's often without really thinking about it or even knowing about it, that we just kind of assume this. And it it usually is a secular narrative that culminates in individual happiness. And so you think about the American dream, and it is. It's a a way that we tell a story about life. And in the American dream, it's very individualistic. It's about me and these goals of safety and comfort and wealth and success. And so that, that narrative really starts to shape the way that we view life. And then you go to church for a while and you even figure out kind of how to blend your faith with that. And before we know it, we're just talking about Jesus and the Bible and faith, but using those as ways to achieve the goals of the American dream. And 
that's a very different thing than talking about God's reign coming on earth as it is in heaven, and that being a story that shapes our lives today. So I think we need to be aware of that. It doesn't mean that everything in America is, is contrary to the kingdom of God. I certainly don't believe that. But there are different principles that shape the way that we live that are different. Yes, that's certainly something to think about. We might need a little paradigm shift there. And as we look at some of the hot-button issues that hit us in America, as well as overseas, we think about social justice, we think about racism, these things that are so much in the news. So if the kingdom impacts all of life, what does it do for those kind of issues? Yeah, well, I think justice is a great example of this, because it's very clear in the scriptures that the kingdom of God is is, is founded on justice. I mean, the Lord's throne is founded on righteousness and justice. You see this repeatedly in the Old Testament. You see Jesus teaching the ethics of the kingdom of God in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and I think in our culture today, in, injustice is in our face more than ever. There's always been lots of injustices in the world, whether it's racism or sexism or human trafficking. Uh, but I think through social media and the 24-hour news cycle that we feel it more today than we have in the past in different ways. We're constantly reminded of the injustices that are all around us. And so we need to have a distinctly Christian view, though, of justice. And the kingdom of God gives us that framework where we see that people are made in the image of God. So, for example, that when we... When we look at people, we see them first as image bearers of God. In other words, we see their dignity before we see their needs. So when I see uh, Tabitha, who's a young woman who's uh, homeless in the community that I live in, that when I see her, before I see her needs or her brokenness or the, the things that she lacks in life, I see her as an image bearer of God who's loved by God. And that changes the way that, that I engage with her, that she's on the same, it levels the playing field. And for, she's on the same plane as me, whereas I'm not just coming to her as I'm the answer and, and she has needs, but we both have needs. So uh, we, we, we look at people differently, but it also it makes us really care about uh, issues of injustice. Um, it's very clear from the scriptures that God's vision is to, have a, to, be, uh, to create a multi-ethnic people. And so when it comes to unity uh, amidst diversity, and when it comes to fighting against evils such as racism, if God has a heart for something, then indifference is not an option for us. And so we're called to care about the things that the Lord cares about. Now, that certainly takes wisdom in knowing how to focus our time and our energy, and we all can't kind of be uh, involved deeply in every social issue. But we all we are called to recognize that we're we're called into a kingdom, that's a kingdom of justice, and that God calls us to be peacemakers in the midst of that. Yes, we need to uh, have kingdom priorities for our lives, certainly. Now, toward the end of the book, you wrote a sentence that I found to be a simple sentence, but very striking. Our king is alive, and he is advancing his mission. He's not messing around, is he? Yeah, he is. He is advancing his mission, and we see that in so many ways. I mean, I think one of the areas for me that's been encouraging is 
there's a lot of talk in in the West, in America and in Europe and so forth, of the decline of the church. But when you look globally, the church is growing faster than ever. And to see the advancement of the kingdom of God today in Africa, in Asia, uh, in, in, in South America, it's remarkable the things that are happening. And so it's, it's encouraging and exciting to be a part of the work that the Lord is doing and how even for us in the West today, there are times now for us where we need to learn from our brothers and sisters in other cultures. Where, where they're thriving, and, and we're trying to figure out what it looks like to be faithful in exile, so to speak, um, in our own context. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I have more confidence and expectancy uh, than I've ever had before, just to see the kind of work that the Lord is doing, um, not only overseas and in those contexts, but even right here in Los Angeles. I mean, People always think of uh, of Los Angeles as almost like Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, I, when I talk to people outside, uh, and sure, there's 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 a lot of brokenness here. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on here, but the Lord's doing a really sweet work. Um, I know I know of churches all around this city that are thriving and constantly seeing people come to know Christ and getting baptized and being salt and light in the various contexts that they work and play in. Um, and so I'm excited for what the Lord's doing today. Yes, he's doing great things around the globe in his kingdom. So at the end of the book, there's a really beautiful prayer. Uh, did you write that prayer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's, so you're kind of poetic, too. <laughs> well, you know, I, um, I, I love the craft of writing, and I, I, I do believe that we're made in the image of a creative God, and that creativity comes out in, in different ways with different people. I think what drives that for me is that I ultimately believe that theology is best expressed in worship and in prayer. And so good theology makes us want to sing. Good theology uh, leads us into prayer. And so that was my hope. Uh, with the book, is that as I'm talking about what the kingdom of God is and what this teaches us about the Lord and about ourselves, that it truly would lead us to this place of prayer. And I mean, that's the last chapter in the book for me, the way I end is by talking about the Lord's Prayer, where, where Jesus himself teaches us to pray by saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so... Um, the kingdom is an idea, it's a story that shapes all of our lives, but uh, any, any ways that we see the kingdom breaking into our lives today, it's coming as an answer to Christ's prayer, and our prayer through him, of crying out that God's kingdom would break into our lives. You are a bit of a theologian, but this book is very accessible to um, any Christian who is in the church today. The book is called Seek First, How the Kingdom of God Changes Everything. So how can people learn more about the book and about your ministry, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, they can get the book um, on Amazon or anywhere where they're selling books. We also have a for the book that's called seekfirstbook.com. And then other than that, uh, I'm on social media. Um, people can find me through there, or uh, I'm preaching every week at our church called Reality LA. And so 
my teachings and a lot of my sermons um, are on our church website there, realityla.com. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to connect with people however, however that's possible. Well, excellent. Would you mind closing us in prayer as we seek to fully grasp this kingdom? Yeah, certainly. Lord, we pray the words that your Son taught us to pray, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray for the listeners of this podcast, Lord, that your kingdom would break into their lives, that your renewing grace would bring change and restoration and hope amidst life that is difficult and hard. God, give us the eyes to see the world the way that you see it, that you are redeeming it by grace, and that you are drawing us into that work. We are utterly desperate for your Spirit to move, for your Spirit to change us from the inside out. And so we lay ourselves before you with a posture of surrender, saying, have your way. And God, we ask that you would use us. Lord, I pray for every single one of these people as they are sent out as salt and light in the very context that you've placed them in. Would you use us to bring your kingdom in the midst of this world? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's been a pleasure having you here, Dr. Jeremy Treat. We appreciate your time today while you're out enjoying nature. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be with you. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for listening to this episode of Charisma Connection. And if this interview has touched you in some way, be sure to share it with a friend and check out our other podcast at cpnshows.com. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.